0: Want to use a Bible that you brought, or there's a Bible somewhere near you under a chair, or a Bible on your device will be in the, the letter to the Hebrews and will be there for a long time. Uh, so you could put a, a bookmark there. Some of you know uh, that part of our, our conviction as a church is we, we generally work our way through books of the Bible, it's uh, the ancient phrase in the Latin was called lectio continua, which just means going through a book continuously and that's something we do. So you start at the start and you go through the beginning and you can't jump over something that's difficult and and it's it's good for us. So we've done that through many books of the Bible and we've never done Hebrews together. So we get to do Hebrews together. Hebrews you'll find it after the group of Paul's letters. So if the tiny little letter to Philemon, I believe, is right before it, which is just one page or so in most Bibles, um, and Titus before that, and then, and then you'll find the letter to the Hebrews. So this year, 2024, who knows what's going to happen out in the world and other things, but for what God is doing for the, the church, uh, the body of Christ, both locally and around the world, I want this year, my prayer is that it would all be about Jesus, I know that sounds really simple, but that the church wouldn't get distracted and and be about whatever happens in the world and the world agendas, the elections, and the other things that we know are going to happen in 2024. But if 2020 is any measurement, there's a lot of things we didn't know were going to happen in that uh, big election year, right? So who knows what's going to happen? But we know that the church is called to be about Jesus, to be representing him, to be sharing him with the world. And my prayer for us is that this year would be about Jesus being great, a greater and greater part of our life. I'm praying that for most of you, that's already true. I, I hope most of you have a relationship with him. Maybe some of you don't yet. It's a good year to start, uh, but that, that wherever you're at with Jesus, that he would become even greater and greater in your life because what we're calling this series, uh, is, I think is true for each of us, we're calling it One King, Only Jesus, One King, Only Jesus, and we we may find through our study of Hebrews and through your journey of going through 2024 where other things are trying to get on that throne of your heart trying to be king or maybe that you find oh I I've been my own king of my heart and I need to step down from that role I'm not qualified right and um, it's it's going to be a good journey this year of having one king Jesus so I want to start by reading the scripture if you're able to stand just to honor God's word today as we come to it, it Stand for the reading of God's word from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You are the author and perfecter of our faith and our life. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. You are the rock, O Lord. So Lord, I'm praying for your people here and online that you would give us ears to hear. But help us to be praying for ourselves and each other. This is a spiritual act we're doing, Lord, and we need your help. So help us to be praying for each other, for ourselves, that we rightly hear your word. Help us deal with any distractions that come. And I ask that that you'd help your people pray for me and other preachers, that we would rightly declare your truth, that your good news would be heard, that you would be believed in, trusted in, that lives would be changed, that you would be glorified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am excited to uh, start this series. I'm always excited to dive into a, a new book with you all. And uh, this, this book, this letter, is going to help us to have a bigger vision of Jesus. Um, maybe you say, I already have a pretty big vision of Jesus. Great. That's a good starting point because then it's going to get even bigger, I think, through this book. This book is going to help us see the greatness of Jesus, the, the bigness, if we want to say that, of God's plan. That, and how ancient it was, but that, that it was fulfilled through Jesus. Right? That Jesus, Jesus is not just the, the greatest human ever. He is the Son of God. Right? Exactly imprint of the the nature with the father he is the only king worthy of our worship and our allegiance and we're gonna we're gonna learn that from hebrews so a little bit of background what do we know about the background of hebrews uh so if you want to take notes you can on your program there there's some space for you if you want to do that uh there's no test later that's good news right uh unless you're in one of butch's bible studies there may be a test later. but uh uh so when, uh, this is early Christianity. We are going back in time when we read uh, this, right? We're going back nearly, uh, nearly 2,000 years. So some scholars date it to the, even to the 50s AD, so within 20 years of Jesus resurrecting and ascending into heaven. Uh, but it, it's somewhere between the 50 AD and I think before AD 70. So it's, it's really early Christianity, right? And, and so think that the movement is young and it's exciting. You're, 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 you're hearing about things like we read in the book of Acts today, miracles being done. And, and you, you could potentially meet people who saw Jesus with their own eyes, right? Who maybe ate some of the bread that was part of some of his feeding miracles and things like that. These people are still walking around and alive, when this book was written. This, so this movement is young and it's exciting and it's, it's unlike any other religion in the history of the world to that time and really to the present time because it's spreading amongst different languages and different groups. Religions were largely tribal, right? And, and this movement is multicultural, multilingual from the start and whether you're, you're a slave or you're a rich person, you can be, you can be part of this movement, right? And, it, and, and so it's just drastically different from the things of the world, and, and, it, and it goes into different cities and places, and people that live thousands of miles you know, uh, away from like places like India, where the gospel got to within the first century, they're believing in a Jewish Messiah that, that is far, far away, right? How? The Spirit of God is helping them, and the Spirit of God had prepared the way. So this is early Christianity, where it's just exploding young and exciting, but it's also challenging times. As as the movement of Jesus starts to spread, evil and darkness is coming against it. The evil one is trying to stop it, and and wherever it goes, including people like the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter, we see this in Acts. They they face challenges, they face persecution, they they face arrest, imprisonment, and and sometimes death. And so it it's young a young movement. It's an exciting movement. It's wonderful. It's life-changing, and yet if you are a believer, depending on where you are, you, you might be in big trouble for believing in Jesus, to put it quite simply. You might get hurt. Your family might not like you. Your business may change, right? Your customers may leave you, and so there's a temptation to to, well, do I want to keep following this Jesus? Yes, he's changed my life. I, I've seen the miracles. Or I've seen the change. But it's hard. And so the letter of Hebrews, we think, was written particularly to Jewish background people who, who came out of a Jewish ethnicity or Jewish understanding of life and practice of their faith, and they believed in Jesus as the Messiah. But then as time went on and, and, and people started persecuting him, sometimes in their own family, sometimes secular forces or whatever, it, it gets difficult, and they needed encouragement why, do, why should you keep believing in Jesus? Why must you persevere? And so this wonderful masterpiece was written. And I'm going to tell you, I am not smart enough to do the work on the Greek to tell you how good of a, a letter this is. I'm smart enough to read people who are smart enough, though. So I'm going to give you what I can as we go through this series. But this is a literary masterpiece, and that's not insulting the, the rest of the Bible, uh, you know, some of the correspondence we have in the New Testament, some of the letters are just matter of fact in their language. Hebrews is is an artistic masterpiece of literature in the Greek. Like, for example, we can't see it, but in the first few couple of verses, it, it, it's an alliteration. There's a bunch of P words. We start with the Greek letter Pi, just boom, boom, boom. And it, and and in the Greek, it sounds beautiful. In English, we can't see it unless you have a unique translator of your the one you're holding or something but and then it's a theological masterpiece as far as what it's bringing from the hebrew scriptures and it's it is deep and profound right and so I, I just want you to know that about that and we'll bring that up as we go through where where was it written uh, we're not really sure this is one of these questions there's things about the letter to the hebrews we don't know Uh, It ends up, since it's so beautiful In the language that most people speak at that time Which was the Greek language Where the the Christian movement was It becomes a quickly, widely admired book Appreciated book Though written for background Hebrew background people Or Jewish background believers It becomes admired amongst the church And just spreads We know this from early Christian correspondence That it just spread, right? And so we don't really know uh, Where it was first written It doesn't say that written to this location like some of the letters do. Corinthians, written to the city where there's Christians in Corinth, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not, it ends up not, God didn't inspire it for just one location, obviously. It, it, we also don't know who wrote this letter. There are people a couple hundred years later uh, that will say the letter to the Hebrews written by the Apostle Paul, but the earliest Christians didn't say that, actually. It was anonymous from the start. So you may have grown up, if you're part of Christian tradition, hearing that it's by Paul. The the challenge with that is that it doesn't feel like any of Paul's writings in the Greek. The the word choices, the language, the style. Plus, Paul wasn't ashamed to ever write his name to all of his letters, right? Right? And it was written in the same time frame, so it seems like a weird departure if Paul was to write all these other letters in one style, attaching his names and his co-workers' names with that, and then this one letter, he doesn't do that? But you know what I want to say about this issue of authorship? If you really think it's Paul, that doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Because this is ultimately the inspired word of God and God wanted it in. So there's people who think Apollos wrote it, there's people who think Barnabas wrote it, who worked with Paul and they had a disagreement and then they got over it. Because it's a book of encouragement, and he was a a man of deep encouragement? Maybe. Maybe. That's not going to change, I don't think, what it says. But why? I just, I shared a little bit of the why of this book. It's to help Christians with their challenges and potential discouragements. To turn their eyes upon Jesus, right? And to think of, of Jesus and why they should just have faith in him. And, and the basic argument is have faith in Him in the present because look at all the promises He fulfills. So stay true to your faith. That's why it was written. You're going to need this in 2024 to stay true to your faith. I'm not saying some of you are planning to abandon Christianity, although that is happening amongst particularly young adults in our nation right now. They're abandoning or deconstructing their faith. And I think Hebrews is a book that could help them if you know a young person like that. They could work through this and say, ah, oh, this is why I need to return to Jesus. But I think you're going to be tempted to, by the world, to make your Christianity into something less than the beautiful thing following Jesus, what Jesus is all about. It's about living for him as his body. And it's going to be used as an election tool in this year. I already know that. You know that. And I'm not picking on one party or another. But that is just not worthy of Jesus. Right? He's too great for that. So we need to persevere in being the true body of Christ and this book will help us to do that no matter the temptations that come or the persecutions that come. And, and what is it filled with? What is it filled with? It is filled... <laughs> with connection after connection to the Hebrew scriptures, what we now call the Old Testament, uh, to show how Jesus is greater, greater than the angels who uh, helped the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priesthood. He's the ultimate priest. He's the ultimate king. So he's greater than the, the priests of the past. He's the fulfillment. He's greater than the kings of the past. He's the fulfillment. Jesus is greater, right? Right. And by doing that, by going back to Scripture, they will show over and over again the author that God is fulfilling his ancient plan and promises to bring salvation and that that salvation's everlasting kingdom into this world. And so if you really dive into this study, and I encourage you to, and I encourage you to read through the letter to the Hebrews multiple times this year, okay, Uh, it won't take you that long to do it, Uh, just keep doing it. Uh, Some of you have already started doing that, that's cool. Um, it's going to grow and stretch your Bible knowledge, not just of this letter, but because of its very nature, you're going to have to go to the Old Testament and other places. But you will also think of things in Jesus' ministry himself in the Gospels, and so you will find yourself going to the Gospels, and you're going to bounce around the Bible. That's what Hebrews makes you do, and it's a very good thing. So. Uh, we're going get we're going to go all over the Bible we're going to have super strong thumbs and index fingers by the end of the year you could flip them back and forth and stuff so there, there are just dozens of direct quotations in Hebrews there are hundreds of allusions. it's just dripping with the scriptures right the connections to other scriptures but I want to tell you we aren't just reading Hebrews to grow in our Bible knowledge though that's going to happen uh, I believe if you commit to this but As we see Jesus in these connections in the Old Testament, we are going to be more in awe of Jesus. Because that's the point of Hebrews. Be more in awe of him so you will persevere in your trust of him and you can face any temptation or difficulty. So it's not just to grow in knowledge, which you will. It's to to grow in awe and worship of Jesus and his plan from ages past to save us sin-sick sinners who needed salvation, then there was no other way but for God's long-held plan to come into this world to rescue us through the perfect son, Jesus, who made purifications for our sin as we heard today. And and we will be more amazed by by the gospel that many of us have heard for for many years, but we'll be even more amazed by it. And my, my hope is that we'll be amazed enough that we won't want to keep it to ourselves, right? It's not just for us. It's for those who haven't heard it yet. And so, as we are in awe of him, our desire to trust him will grow, and our desire to share him will grow, and some of you might find God moving in your heart to want to do something different in your life, maybe a way of serving inside the church to serve children or youth or seniors, or maybe some way of serving your family or your community outside of church because of what Jesus is doing inside of you. I really believe that's going to happen. Okay, so let's look at the, we're really doing the main foundation today of Hebrews, and we're looking at um, these first three verses, but before I, 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 I jump to, to this point, which you can keep it on the screen, um, just that, that first verse that's talking, it says, long ago, many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So, I mean, you can just see that as kind of a start-off sentence, you know. Okay, I'm speaking to a Jewish audience that believes in Jesus, and I'm reminding them that God spoke to our, our fathers. But I, I just want to take a couple words out of that that I've heard, listened to a lot of Hebrews uh, sermons lately. and One thing that jumps out to a lot of preachers is God spoke. I know this is simple, but simple truths are often best. We have a speaking, communicating God. God spoke then. I mean, he has this great fulfillment through Jesus, but he is a speaking, communicating God. There are versions, wrong versions of God out there in the world that he just, if he exists, he just set this world adrift and started the laws of nature or whatever and just lets it go. You know, the clockmaker type idea of a God. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God speaks, right? Jesus is God coming to earth. Just amazing. So let's look at this main foundation here, uh, verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Who is the he here? It's talking about Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, his young parents had to escape to Egypt to keep him alive. Who, who is, is he, though, ultimately in eternity? He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He is God. He's not less than the Father or less than the Spirit. God's Son is God, too. And this is bigger than we can fully understand, and that is good. If you want a God you can fully understand, then make your own religion and leave. Okay? Because Christianity is a God that we cannot fully understand. Right? Three and one. One and three. Fully God became fully man. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Why should I be able to face difficulties and temptations in the world? Because... I get to have relationship with the very, the very radiance of the glory of God. I get to be a servant of him. Right? He, who is he? He's someone that upholds the universe by the word of his power. If he can uphold the universe by the word of his power, if that's who he is, if, he, if he's the one that spoke creation into being, nothing was made without him, the gospel of John says. If he's the one that we heard today, he said, let there be light, and there was, then I'm pretty sure he can bring light into my darkness in 2024, right? How about you? I'm pretty sure he can uphold me on those days where I just think I can't get up. I'm pretty sure he can help me get through a difficulty, right, in, in family situations because he is the radiance of the glory of God and upholds the universe by the word of his power, this is who we serve. It's amazing. And if you if, if your faith has gotten to the point where you don't find yourself amazed much, Hebrews is going to help you because it's not a newsflash to us. We have an amazing God. Right? An absolutely amazing God. That He would become human to rescue us lost children, lost in our sin, lost in our darkness. We can't We can't escape that on our own. We can't escape our sin and its penalty and death on our own. We need his rescue. And the only way to do it was the the radiance of the glory of God, who's lived in eternity with the Father and the Spirit, says, I will come down for you and do what you cannot do for yourselves. I will purify you from sins by taking your sins upon my perfect self. This is what Jesus was planning to do. This is what he did. This is what he did. So that the Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas or the Jesus that we celebrate at Epiphany when the magi came and worshiped him, that's the same God, the son of God, who's on the cross, right? The God who upholds the universe by the word of his power is, is the very same God who gave his sinless, perfect life to save me and you from our gross and ugly, selfish sins. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Right? He, he, he knew exactly the, the stupid stuff I would do. And yet ch- chose to come into the world for me and for you. This is the gospel. This is what we call the good news. That, that our God is a God that chose to save broken people. Chose to be human because God knows that this is the only way to restore us to full relationship. Right? Only God could absorb our sins. Only God could defeat death for us with his perfect life. Only God could purify us because only God is pure. And the beauty is, he did it, he gives us his purity gives us his righteousness, as Paul would later say in 2 Corinthians. He knew no sin, right? But he became sin so that we could have his righteousness. It's amazing. So I want to simply encourage you, don't stop believing. Now you're going to say, I'm not going to stop believing. But sometimes we we keep the belief up here, and we say, I still believe in the the tenets of the faith. But here, and with our whole body, we kind of stop trusting that God is as good as the book says. So I want to say to you, your whole self, your heart, your emotions, everything about you, don't stop believing have this right, deep, ever-growing view of Jesus. It will encourage you. No matter what comes, if you are in Jesus Christ, you have the Son of God who came out of heaven for you, who upholds the universe by His word. He he is saying and declaring for you, you are completely forgiven. No matter what those whispers in your ears say, you are completely forgiven because I've already made purifications for your sin. If you believed in me, you are forgiven. You are mine. You are co-heirs with me. You are going to be eternally alive in my kingdom forever. And yes, you will have temptations to believe in something less than that. You will have temptations. The dark dark evil forces will speak to you and try to give you a Jesus who is less than that, a Jesus who can't forgive your sins or lift you out of depression or can't do miracles for you. Don't believe it. It's not true. You may also be tempted to follow your own self-gospel, false gospel, or, or, or a gospel of worldly riches or a gospel of politics this year or something like that. Don't do that. But what's going to keep us from those counterfeit versions is simply looking at the real version, right? Keeping our eyes upon Jesus. He made purification for our sins, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. That's a seat of honor, but that doesn't mean he's done. Colossians 1.18 tells us, Paul writes, that he is the head of the body, the church. So he's up there in heaven. We say up, but it's really in a place we can't even understand closer than we even know. But he he is the head of the body, the church. He is our head. He is our ultimate leader. He is not done working for his people. Paul wrote in Romans 8.34, he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Who's your greatest prayer partner? Not me. I'll pray for you with you, but who is your greatest prayer partner? Jesus Christ himself. If you've never believed that radical truth, believe it starting today, because it's true. He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his people. Later on in that very chapter where Paul says that Jesus is interceding for his people, you know what else he says in that beautiful chapter that I tell you to read at least once a month, Romans 8. If you haven't been doing it, do it in 2024. It'll help you. In that same chapter, he says, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. You know, when I claim that verse, many times in nursing homes, when I go and people can't talk anymore, they can't remember anymore. And I say, my God is still with them. And nothing will separate them. Nothing, no disease, no brokenness of this world, That's, my God is with them right now. And he's not going to stop loving them. And one day he's going to fully restore them in a a way that's more beautiful than I can imagine. Don't stop believing. Don't give up hope. Because these are the promises of God. He kept his promises of the past. So he's going to keep his promises like we just heard, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. If he kept all his promises from the Old Testament and fulfilled them in Jesus, then he's certainly going to keep all the promises of the New Testament. And he's going to make us alive and new. So the difficulties will come. But don't stop believing because he's going to overcome them. Hebrews has blessed the church through the centuries. That first generation, like I told you, it just kind of spread rapidly, so rapidly that we ended up not really knowing where it came from. Even some of the early church fathers in, in the second century are debating, where did this letter actually start? I love that because it's just God's word encouraging people and encourage believers to stay true to Jesus in the hard times, and it will encourage you to stay true to Jesus in our day. So if you're one of those people that sometimes catches yourself saying, I wish I wasn't somebody alive in the 21st century, it's getting so complicated. Repent of that. Because Jesus wanted you alive in this century. And he is the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever as we will hear from this letter. And he has plenty of encouragement for you in the 21st century. And if you are one of his believers, then you are part of his his truth force, his light force, his body that's supposed to go out into the world and encourage the other people that are struggling in the 21st century who don't even know him yet. So stop lamenting that you're here in the 21st century and start rejoicing that I get to be part of Jesus' work in this century, in this region. And start thinking, what is God going to do in this day, in this place, even in my life? Because he's done it in the past, and he's the same, and he's going to do it again, because he's the same. And that really gets to why I believe that God has has led us to study this book. I, I believe God has led me, personally, for lots of personal reasons that I might get into as this unfolds, but I believe that God has led us as a congregation to study this book, to face challenges, to be encouraged, to stay true to the the core message message of Jesus. So, some areas of encouragement as we depart just our beginning study today. Some areas of growth and encouragement for us through this series, and maybe maybe just because I'm going to dare you, I'll dare you. Is that pretty juvenile? But I'll dare you. Through this series and through this year, make your morning routine better. Maybe you already have a pretty good morning routine. Make it better. What I mean by that, not a legalistic sense, but let's start looking to him first in the morning. Start start having a hunger to be with him first in the morning. Your first thought as you open your eyes and after you brush your teeth or whatever you do, get to a table. Sit in your favorite chair. Spend time with Him. If that doesn't work for your current morning schedule, break your schedule and change it. Prioritize Him first. Wake up 20 minutes earlier. Wake up an hour earlier. Look to Him first in the morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and don't leave that chair or that breakfast table until you have. I'm saying this for your encouragement. Make a decision today that you will promise the Lord to not give more time and energy to a worldly kingdom than to His kingdom in 2024. I'm not asking you to measure it and be legalistic about it, but I'm telling you with your heart. Say, I'm going to be first and foremost about Jesus and His kingdom in 2024. Make a decision today that you want to spend not just time growing in knowledge, but really examining yourself, letting the Spirit examine you and say, Am I growing in awe of Jesus? Am I actually in awe of who he is and what he's done for me? We are created to be God worshipers, right? This is a real basic thing about humans. We are created to worship something. And if we're not worshiping the one who can actually handle our worship and deserves our worship, God, we will be giving our awe to other things. It might be possessions. It might be another person. It might be some solution, we think, to the world's problems out there, but we will give our awe to something. Bob Dylan said it might be the devil. It might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody, right? Something like that. Who will you serve? Who will your household serve this year? Spend time daily making that a healthy habit, being just in awe of him. Maybe while you're on a walk. Maybe while you're on your commute. Privately, just worship him. Words of praise, songs, whatever. Worship him. He is worthy of it. Why? Because he is the radiance of the glory of God. Yet he came down to earth and lived amongst people like me. (laughs) He's from perfection. And he rubbed elbows with people like you. You understand, you're not pure. He is. I'm not pure, he is. He is the exact imprint of God and yet he became human and faced all our temptations, was tempted in every way, he faced all kinds of difficulty, but he never faltered, he never sinned and then he went to the cross, that that sinless sacrifice that we could never be. And he made, make no mistake about it, he made the absolute purification for our sins with his perfect life and his atoning death that covers over our sins and absorbs all of them when we believe in him, when we trust in him. And now, why does he deserve our ongoing worship? Because he is God with the Father, with the Spirit, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ready to hear our prayers and be our leader. Oh, Father, we thank you for the Son, Jesus who intercedes on behalf of his church even now. We yield to him as our head, our leader. And we ask that in 2024 and in the households represented here and the folks online and in the individual hearts, Lord, of each person hearing this word and really receiving it, that you would be our king and that we would grow in ever-deepening allegiance to you, that your spirit would deepen our awe and our amazement of you. For you are the radiance of the glory of God, Jesus. Thank you for loving us while we were yet sinners. Thank you for dying to purify us from sins. Lord, I I ask that anyone out there who doesn't yet believe in you, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would touch them right now and that they would, would pray something like this Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to purify me from all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you. I trust in you. Make me new. Make me a new person. Lord, if there's any who prayed that right now, I pray that you would help them to talk to another person about what they just prayed. I ask you to To lead your people who already believe in you, Lord, or believe in you maybe for years or decades, to pray right now, Lord, deepen my awe of you in 2024. Lord, make, make me hunger for you as I wake up in the morning. Lord, help me to face the difficulties, temptations, the challenges of this life with the joy and the hope you alone can give. God, we thank you for your inspired written word. We pray for this journey in your, your letter. Would you please help us and grow us that we could better, better serve you, better give you glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs>